0: Hi friends, this episode of Hell Maybe Be Me is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a pretty great new innovation. It's uh, basically remote access to counselors, um, otherwise known as telehealth. And BetterHelp has lots and lots of counselor options, and they are uh, available all throughout the world. And I would say it's definitely more affordable than traditional in-person counseling, and they also offer financial aid. So if something is blocking you from happiness and preventing you from achieving your goals, I would suggest trying BetterHelp because all you have to do is fill out a quick survey and they will match you with a therapist who can deal with the issues you're struggling with in particular and you'll be talking to your counselor within 24 hours. So if you want to support this show and check out BetterHelp, go to Try BetterHelp.com. That's H-E-L-P.com/slash/help-me-be-me, and you can get ten percent off your first month of therapy. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May, and this is an audience Q and A episode about whether or not to have a baby, part two. So obviously this is for a very select group of people, um, but it's a question I've gotten a couple times and, uh, it's timely for me in particular because I happen to be eight months pregnant, so, (laughs) with my second child. So I thought, why not answer this now? I'm going to go through some of the questions themselves and, um, answer them to the best of my ability. And I would say this is definitely not, <laughs> obviously not an episode for everybody. Um, just a heads up, this is based on if you have uh, disability benefits that allow you to stay home with the baby for a period of time. So my personal experience of having a baby meant I had a couple of months to actually hang out with that baby and I was home with it. So Keep that in mind. If you are in a situation where you do not have disability benefits and you cannot um, stay home, then I think, you know, that's a very, very different situation that I can't necessarily weigh in on because I haven't lived that. And I feel that it's a whole s- separate set of circumstances to try and negotiate sleep, childcare and a full-time job. So hats off to you women that do that and have had to do that um, when immediately after giving birth because that's, I mean, there's so many reasons that that's challenging. Um, so all of those caveats to say my specific experience was much more um, accommodating in that I was able to actually spend some time being just a mom and I didn't have to worry about anything else. And so, um, with that, here's what I will say about the experience itself. So with that, with all those caveats, here are the questions. So the first question is, um, I'm paraphrasing here. I love my life now, and that makes me reconsider the path I want to take. The idea of changing my life scares me not being able to do what I want to do when I want to do it for example not being able to go to the cinema or take a nap the idea of another being being so critically dependent on me is scary Um, how do I know whether or not I should have kids well there's a lot embedded in that question I picked up on two separate issues Um, One is the fear of losing your lifestyle, which you love. And then the other is the fear of someone needing you so much. And I can relate to both of those fears. I think one thing that is kind of missing from your question is why you are considering having kids. Um, Is it because you feel like you should? Or is it because your partner wants them? Um, For the sake of this episode, I'm just going to assume that it's because some part of you really does like the idea and that is why you're putting yourself through such a, a triggering reflection process um, and I say triggering because I think that some of your family of origin issues are coming up specifically around the idea of the child needing you so much like the idea of a being needing you to meet its needs I think there's something buried in your language that speaks to this being um, claustrophobic or negative or it causes like a feeling of panic. Um, And I relate to that feeling a lot. I completely felt the exact same thing Um, for many people. And for me now on the other side of having a child, that feeling is actually a positive of of being needed. But before having a child, I've had the exact same sense of terror. Like, no, don't. I, I need to be taken care of. I need to meet my needs. I need the care. Like that was kind of the, the reaction to the idea of a being that wants everything from you. So here's the thing. A lot of the time we have these kind of old scripts that play out in our fears and in our minds. But they don't really exist literally in our lives. So I want you to take this, like, let's say we have a little model kit, a box of all these little parts that we have to assemble, and just pour it out on the table, just see what's in here. Just take apart this particular feeling, this that particular reaction, and I would just write down in your journal, what are these fears saying? Not just the overt ones, but like, what are your fears around being needed so thoroughly by a child like what does that fear imply um, what does it signal, what does it look like, how does it feel in your body, what is the nightmare scenario that comes to mind um, that you're an actor in when you picture this fear just want to get, get a clear idea of, like, the hyperbolic scenario that you're envisioning that makes you feel, like, trapped and overwhelmed. Second, I want you to write down, after you've done that thoroughly, what does my actual life demonstrate about me in this particular area? So, in other words, how do you navigate relationships? Especially in the moments when you are giving care to others. Does this claustrophobia or this feeling of panic and resistance to giving care to others show up in your life currently, like with other relationships? just want to see if there's possibly a misalignment in those two things. In the first journal prompt and the second one. Um, And just take note. If... If that is true, like if you do have that feeling of panic in other relationships, this is really just about getting to know you in reality versus possible irrational fears that are not true to reality. Because I would say there are quite a few of those. Like we don't really know it. Most of us don't know it. Know it. But we have so many um, panicky, uh, like elaborate scenarios that we create in our minds like no I can't do that I can't do that and our mind builds these large cases up um, but they're not actually real they're not realistic or present fears to to give merit to and they are also not true to how we really are in our lives in real situations our minds are basically building cases in order to not take risks in order to not change this is what we do before we have to do something that we think will cause us pain. However, it's actually not as bad as what we think it will be. We're just telling ourselves, like, don't try, don't try, don't try. And it's almost like a dirty lawyer in our threat response that wants us to not risk injury. And it's very irrational. And, like, it doesn't, it will never be what we think it will be. Our brain is just like, well, but then this is going to happen and it's going to be terrible. And then I'm going to feel this way and I'm going to panic and it's going to be awful. But it's like, actually, most of that is pretty the opposite of true. So for, the, for this first question, kind of the second half of what I picked up on is about you losing your routine and losing what you love about your current life. And I would say that is totally a realistic um, thing to mourn. But it's also very workable. Like, it's really about your priorities and how you negotiate your time like anything else. It's like, you can think about it as exactly the same thing as if you were going to start a degree program. And you were like, I don't want to have to do homework. And I don't want to have to go to class. And I don't want to have to stay up and study for tests. Like, yeah, well... You got to do those things, but it doesn't mean like the rest of your life goes away. Like you still have control over your personal time. You can still prioritize things that are important to you. Nothing in your life is, um, completely out of your control as far as like meeting the needs that you put at the top of your list. You know, like if you really, really want to take, um, a day and go to the movies, you can absolutely do that. There's nothing that's going to make you not allowed to do that. I will say, though, nothing in your life is as self-serving as um, before you have kids. Like, before you have kids, it's like you have to figure out what to do with your time. And I would say, like, it's kind of a relief in a lot of ways when it's not all about you. Like, you have a real mission and like, like importance to your life in that you're responsible for a person you have this like massive incredible project to focus on and it's like the biggest project you've ever taken on um so it feels kind of good because you're like oh this is really important i have an important job like it feels like you someone made you president of a company um that said if you are the type of person who really wants to retain this part of yourself who is, you know, very social with your partner, you can. It's absolutely possible. It's just a process like anything else. And a lot of what it will come down to is, I would say, resources. You know, if you have the money, you can absolutely pay for somebody to watch the child and go to the movies. Or if you have family nearby, you can absolutely take the child there and go get them, catch a movie. If you choose to do something, you will do it. The rules of the world do not change based on having a child. And as far as naps go, I feel like I didn't really start taking naps until I had a baby. There is so much good napping time. It's like you'll be napping every day. (laughs) Um, And that's partly because your sleep schedule is off. And so like you kind of nap when your baby naps. I would say that was true for me at least for like the first year um, and occasionally still. Like your, your baby will take naps. You have lots and lots of windows of time to yourself. Um, where you are tethered to the house, but still. And then the schedule aspect of this. Just know that it's so temporary. I don't think it... I, I, like you really... In my, in my personal opinion. I don't think you can make a decision this huge. Based off of how your schedule will change. In the short term, you know, like this is a person you will know for the rest of your life. They will likely care for you as you die. (laughs) And, you know, yeah, you will be unable to see movies um, whenever you want until they're old enough to take care of themselves for a couple of hours. But I would definitely say, like, don't decide something this huge based off of like an increment of time that is so short. And everything changes so quickly, like your life circumstances change so quickly, how much time they need from you changes really quickly. Major life decisions should be based on all of life, like meaning the sum, like what do you want out of the sum of your life? And if you are finding inner resistance that feels bigger than the reasons that your brain is offering, that would signal to me that you need to dig further. Like. Ask yourself, what is the texture or like the core of this fear really about? Like, is this the fear of powerlessness? Is this the fear of being stolen or forced or obligated to not care for myself? Is there like an underlying fear of me not being cared for? Like that this kid is going to steal my care from me? Or, or is there a feeling of being trapped? Like, get into that foggy darkness and just, like, describe it to yourself. Because I think there are clues in, those, in the words you use to describe that feeling. And for me, a lot of those words um, were, like, really tied to a fear of being broken and, like, a fear of not being capable of um, taking care of something. Like, that my damage was too deep to be able to be needed. Like, I, I felt like all of these weird, really potent, you know, descriptions. But those descriptions were when I compared them to my life and, like, the way I live my life and who I act as, as a person. They were completely mismatched. So I guess I'm asking you to look for that in yourself. Like, see what those really dark, scary fears are. And how big those words are. And see if those describe the truth of how you are as a caregiver in your reality. Because I would guess that these are some old, you know, some old, big, scary childhood feelings. I will also put a couple links in the show notes to books that I think are uh, are relevant to that in particular. All right. I would say also this is a... <laughs> these are wonderful questions to work on with a therapist um okay so the next question is how how will my anxiety be when I'm a parent this is a different person by the way um okay (laughs) it's gonna be real I mean anxiety is no joke when you're a parent and also when you get pregnant there are like lots of waves of hormones that you move through um And a lot of them are just totally hormonal and non-nonsensical, like they are, and because of that, they're, I would say, navigable because you understand what is happening. Like, it's like someone jumped inside your, the cockpit of your body and started playing with all the dials and flipping all the switches. So like one second you might be crying and the next you might be laughing. And it's really all about remembering that this is happening and it's temporary um, like not engage, not engaging with the uh, emotional thought process. You, you have to stay on the outside of it and just witness it. Because if you start to engage, it lasts a lot longer. You can perpetuate it for like another extra day, you know. Um, as far as when the kid is born, I will say that your first child is a huge learning curve. And... I think there's a lot of, um, Googling and a lot of texting the doctor and a lot of texting with friends and you don't know it. I mean, everyone tells you this, like it's not as dire as you think it is, but in the moment, because it's new, it does feel like it's so dire and everything is like an emergency. So there, I will say like the first six months, especially it, if you have anxiety, It is an anxious period because you're like, oh my God, I don't want to break this thing. You're basically thinking, like, I could kill this thing at any moment. And it helps to have a therapist lined up for exactly this increment of time if you know that you're prone to anxiety. Um, I would say after you realize, like, they're pretty durable. (laughs) Um, Well, like, you know, I guess a year in, you're like, oh. It's, everything's fine. I'm actually doing this. I've gotten the hang of it. You, when you realize you have some sense of like mastery over the process of being a parent, you cal- your body calms down quite a bit. And also, when you pass that SIDS threat time period, which is roughly right when they can roll over on their own, I would say the anxiety and stress goes down quite a bit. But It really, really, really helps to have a best friend or friends who are also moving through the stages at the same time, um, including for any postpartum depression reasons. I had two friends who were pregnant at the same time, and we were basically texting each other at three in the morning about, you know, what to do about acid reflux and all that stuff. And that is like life changing just to have somebody to talk to about something like this. And more than anything, it's really about feeling like you have some control um, when you don't, you know, like if you're trying things and you're at least active in trying to fix something, um, it's really helpful just to have somebody like witness that in you and say, like, you're doing great. And like you've done everything that you can think to do no matter what, you know, because at the end of the day, your best is good enough and you just have to believe that. And it helps to have somebody who loves you who can tell you that. And it took me a long time to realize it. But your best thinking, your best research, and your gut and the decision you choose to make is the right one. Because you are the parent. Because people will tell you the opposite things to do all the time. People are very polarized on all things baby rearing. And people get really intense and, you know preachy and judgy and I feel like it's often people have opposite methods you can read the opposite guidance from doctors you know easily like on all topics so at the end of the day you really just have to do what feels right to you and let the rest go and babies are much hardier than you think they are they have been successfully growing up for many many years under much harsher conditions than those you are living under I'm assuming um But all that said, yeah, if you're an anxious person, I recommend having a therapist lined up for postpartum just because it is an intense time. There's a lot of adjustment happening, you know, you're adjusting to a sleep schedule and you're adjusting to a new person in your household, which it creates a new dynamic in your partnership if you have a partner. Um, So there's a lot, just a lot in flux and it brings up. As I said, a lot of family of origin issues, including issues you might have with your own parents, um, around adequacy, self-love, care. I I like it because it is such a a direct parallel. You know, it's like this the closest relationship you'll ever have compared to the closest relationship you'll ever have. It feels very overwhelming and in very strange ways so again i'll put a book in the show notes um, before you have a child though if you have family who can help line them up tell them what you want from them also set the boundaries for what you don't want from them and if you can afford it hire help or at least have the help in the back pocket in case you end up needing it like needing a break and by that i mean like a you know Somebody to come a couple of hours every other day or something like that. Um, I myself didn't hire anybody or have help from family, but that was because that was my preference. And that's because I'm a control freak and I didn't want anyone coming into my home or doing any of the stuff to my baby. And if you ask me, you don't really need anything but yourself and a few good friends to talk to. All the baby stuff is really nice to have. But all you really need is diapers, Google, and occasionally YouTube um, for like a how-to. And if you had to, you could do everything you needed to right now with what you already have at your house. It's like all the other stuff has come into our lives because of mostly, you know, I think people love having babies and it's like a fun time just to accessorize it's really fun Um, or it's like a fear of inadequacy Um, but you know most of the time we don't need any of that stuff a lot of that is so extra Uh, I think I just went off on a tangent but in some anxiety definitely peaks when you are ensuring that the baby is healthy enough to be born and when you bring the baby home but it's totally manageable when you can share that with a friend or you're moving through it with a partner. Um, I would say it's especially helpful when you, you can talk to someone who's been through it. And if you don't have that, if you don't have a friend like that, then I would say find a therapist who specializes in postpartum or child issues in particular. And I would say it subsides dramatically after about a year and a half. Or a year to a year and a half, which goes by so much faster than you could possibly imagine. Like, the experience of having a kid is, like, every single moment is new and exciting, and it changes so quickly. You change so quickly, the baby changes so quickly, and there is nothing... I mean, I could not compare it to any other experience, other than maybe, like, it's almost like you're moving through your wedding, the experience of having your wedding... For a, a year, <laughs> for years, you know? Because your attention is wrapped and your brain is taking in this incredible thing that is happening to you that has never happened before and ne- will never be again that you made that loves you and hugs you and kisses you and it's changing in front of your eyes. It's like, it's nuts. It's like a drug trip. There's nothing else, there's no other words to describe it. Okay, um, question number three. What is it like to never have a break? How do you adjust and get through? Well, for the first year and a half, this is not the case at all. In fact, there's lots and lots of downtime when you have a baby. And pretty much until they know how to walk and even until they know how to run, you you have lots of freedom. Like, you decide where they are. (laughs) Um, So I'd say the main loss comes from when they are able to run around and break things and climb. Um, or when they drop a nap, which is kind of like two and a half to three years old. But by then you have lots of stuff down, like you've mastered the role a little bit more. As far as having a newborn, you have lots of time to just reflect and stare at them and read and nap and eat. Um, unless you have to go back to work right away, in which case things are pretty much the same way they were before. Um, but you have less money. <laughs> so unless you have a parent caring, which is, if that's your situation, awesome. Um, but I feel that, you know, it this freedom definitely changes, you know, let's say age two to five. And then you're, you know, the challenges you face when they're running around, it is a... Uh, It's basically like you're dividing and conquering. If you have a partner you're raising your child with, one of you is always watching the child. So it's like you get some alone time, but you don't get a lot of couple time. That's the biggest loss. Um, But I would say, I think what you're asking is more about like what is the hardest adjustment um, to having a child. Like what is the shit that is the most terrible and difficult (laughs) so um, I guess to answer that depending on how your actual body handles the process of giving birth there's always the chance of having postpartum depression or prepartum depression Um, like I've I have a couple of friends that have experienced mild postpartum and it showed up in really different ways Sometimes depression can be tied to like, you know, real things in your life. And sometimes it's just chemicals, you know, it's something that I think is important to keep top of mind about certain mental health issues is like they can show up as a chemical process that is completely disconnected from actual conditions in reality. So I would say the hardest adjustment is when you are not sleeping through the night and you're waking up several times a night. This, if you just take it at face value, is a very difficult thing to live through and you have to plan accordingly because you will be short-tempered, you will be emotionally fragile, you will crave more sugars. Um, You just won't have the same threshold that you normally have. And that, it just makes you like a base-level version of yourself compared to how you are normally. But in and of itself, it's not the end of the world. It's just like becoming a shittier version of yourself for a period of time. And how long that period of time is depends on you. Like, if you want to sleep train, I know some parents that have like been like, I am not doing this for much longer. I'm sleep training immediately. And they did it within, like, whatever. Let's say five months or th- four months, something I can't remember the increment of time, but like the shortest amount of time that they could ever recommend you would ever do that. And then they were done with the waking up in the middle of the night. So it's like you, they're still, you know, for, for whatever your particular needs are, you can find a solution for it. Um, but you know, it's, it's not a deal breaker to not be able to sleep throughout the night but it's definitely a major part of an adjustment and it's temporary it's temporary i think the most important thing is to always be aware of just the conditions that are creating your reality so you don't label them as something they are not you know like i call it the usual suspects list first things first before you start damning your marriage your life your future yourself just ask are there conditions that might be altering my ability to see things clearly and properly right now? Oh yeah, I'm not sleeping. That's probably a huge part of what I'm going through. Um, past sleep, I would say the second hardest adjustment for a lot of women is the realization of um, that this is their new routine. Like, And I think in the moment you feel like because it's such a big adjustment it feels like, oh my God, this is my life. Like your, your brain cannot foresee that this is gonna change. So in in your personal experience of it, in the moment, you feel like, it, or some women live it as like a loss of self, like a loss of my easy life that I loved before. But that perception is not accurate. So I would call it like a shock. Um, the shock of bringing home a new baby is just it's such a major shift that your brain, um, panics a little bit, um, because of the newness of the situation. But that situation, as I said, it changes so quickly. Um, but a lot of time your brain doesn't know it at the time. So for a lot of women, it feels like overwhelming or scary or sad. Like I, you know, have had friends say like, what have I done? My life was so good. I had it so good, but that is not how they feel, you know, a year later or a, a couple of months later. Because you can't see that that part is short. It's hard, but it's short and it changes every moment. Along with your hormones and your energy. Your day and your life can look totally different on the other side of sleep. It can look like a totally, completely different life. Um, I didn't have that particular experience myself, but I feared it Intensely. Like, I had the opposite in that I was, like, literally weeping with joy every day. (laughs) Like, I was in, like, a drug den of infatuation and love. And, um, no joke, I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to anybody ever. I was like, how did I not know this existed? Um, but no joke, I had planned for the outcome of hating my baby and wanting to run screaming. Like, I had planned... Before having a baby, I was like, I will be one of those parents that wants to never touch the baby and I'll hate it. Like, that's what my fear said. But I I will say I've had several friends who had that, you know, um, shock stage of missing being able to put themselves first and missing, you know, the ability to say, like, I need to do me. And, you know, or I need to, we need to get away for some couple time. And those people are now doing those things. This, the period where they were not able to only lasted, a, you know, whatever, six months. And if it happens to you, and you are, like, in that stage of overwhelm and regret, then I, then you'll get professional help. And possibly, if it's really bad, get on some meds. And um, your routine will change. And your body is going to take a while to recover. So you have to keep all of those things top of mind so you understand. You keep it all in perspective. And as I said, all of the people I know who have been through things like this have negotiated a lifestyle now. Including their children that is right for them. They are still exactly as they were as human beings, but they happen to have a child It's not different than anything else you would do in your life You decide how you want to manage your time you decide where your priorities lie, and then you make it work And if something is important to you that doesn't go away I'd say having a child is like It's a value-added part of life It's not a value depleting part of life. Just like being able to do something with someone you care about it it can make the activity more enjoyable um and like moving through your own life experiences once again through the eyes of your child makes you appreciate them more you know it's it's like a more extreme version of x-ray vision like the ghost of christmas past but in everyday things so you will revisit so many things in your own childhood through new eyes with new context and it makes you appreciate things more. It makes you wiser. It gives you a totally new perspective on yourself and your life. And I would say it also gives you new compassion for your parents. It's pretty nuts. And I, I, you couldn't really anticipate the value of this type of dynamic before having children. It's like your brain doesn't have the capacity to see that value or imagine the feeling of those types of experiences, because there's like no frame of reference. Like I could, I think I said it in my last podcast about this, but there's literally nothing I could tell you to explain to you what it's like that could possibly translate how it feels. There's nothing similar. It's it's like nothing that you have lived or will live. It's singular. And so if you're on the fence... But some part of you appreciates the idea of having a family or of having those bonds, those faces, that legacy. I would say you owe it to yourself to pursue this idea past whatever your baggage deems safe from where you stand today. And I say that based on having stood in your shoes and been like, fuck no. (laughs) I don't want children. Because I was like terrified. And... I'm like, oh, my God, thank God I had so many annoying people in my life that were like, you should, because it really pissed me off at the time, but I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I almost missed this. Um, hopefully I answered that question somewhat. Uh, can you tell him just like, I'm talking to you like I know you. Um, if I did not answer your question, please shoot me another email. Okay, next question. What joys of parenting have you found ground you? Um, well, the joys are countless. And at the very start, it's like watching, um, just watching a baby sleep. It's like, I mean, I don't know. Again, these things all sound cliche. Um, but it's like amazing. You're just like, oh my fucking God, that my body made that? The way the baby smells is so magical. Um, I would say doing things right, like figuring out how to parent right, is extremely rewarding. Like getting a baby full and fed and getting it to fall asleep, soothing it. It's like you feel like you won something. It's so fulfilling on like a primal level. Like you're like, hey, look at me, I'm doing it. And, And as you get the hang of things, you just feel... Very complete. Um, And it's almost like you're caring for a part of yourself. It's therapeutic. Like, you know, petting a cat, but on crack, like a billion times more primal than that. You feel a sense of purpose that goes beyond, you know, feeling like you did a good job at work or winning something. It's like your body feels like, oh, this is what I was built for. It just feels very different. You feel... I'm saying the same thing over and over again. For context, right now I have a two and a half year old. um, And that is a separate set of joys. (laughs) And that is its own set of joys in, in your presence. Like you are always present with them. Because they are always present. They find magic in everything around you. And every day is like Christmas because so many experiences are novel. So, like, seeing a snail is like, oh, my God, look, there's a snail. Hi, snail. Do you think the snail's there still? Should we go see it? Like, that, or or seeing, like, flowers. Like, learning how to smell a flower is, like, a new and exciting experience that you, like, live with them. So it's like you get to live through the experiences of a, person like that that's like I've never had chocolate what chocolate's so good (laughs) it's really fun um and they're changing so quickly you know so for you it's like Christmas perpetually because you're the one that's like introducing them to all of these things and each day you're you're like surprised at what they learn and what comes out of them you know like what they bring to you um And it's almost like, you know, you get to give this person you really, really like all these new experiences, these new gifts throughout the day each day. And it's really fun. You know, gift giving is probably the most fun thing there is in life um, if a person likes the gifts. So when you give these little gifts, it's like those mean more to you than anything else in your life, you know? So, and it comes back to you as well. Like when you, when they just, they'll walk up and hug you for no reason. They just walk over and they put their arms around you and they want to snuggle you or hug you. And it's just like, it, it's like the best feeling in the entire world. I mean, it's a pretty great feeling from, let's say a friend or a partner. But imagine it's like this tiny little new original being that's like, I want to hug you. Um, and they'll do things like walk up to you and like, want you to come with them they'll lead you by the hand to sit somewhere with them that feels really good you know and I say all this like for context I do not like children <laughs> like, I I would not like this if it was someone else's kid I mean maybe I would now but I'm the type of person I was not interested in children at all didn't like them didn't want to hang out with them didn't think they were funny Or, you know, entertaining. Didn't care to spend time with them. They were kind of annoying to me, to be honest. Um, Now I find them much more cute. I can appreciate them. But pre-kid, I was not at all a kid person. So I think it's like you really have to put on... You have to find the, like, comparative relationship to try on, like, what this could possibly feel like. Like, in your own life, you know? So, a friend maybe... Yeah, friend's probably the easiest way to do that. All right. Next question. What are the normal highs and lows, and how do you ride them? Well, I have the benefit of writing this after having some of my most challenging highs and lows. Like, as in, like, the last two months. (laughs) Um, I think I lucked out with my first son, because I uh, was my first son, my son, I lucked out because it wasn't a super difficult pregnancy and like the whole process of raising him was doable, totally doable. Um, but right now it's very moment to moment in terms of mood and physical body and it's been very challenging just as far as the waves go. Um, and I think what's key is being able to remember that this is just something happening in my body and it's temporary, especially when you're in a low because it passes quickly. They pass, it passes like clouds and often you just have to release the hormones by allowing yourself to cry, you know, crying is like a release of stress hormones, it's like a process of releasing hormones. So it's, it's not always a bad thing that perpetuates more sadness. Sometimes it's a relief and you can move on more quickly. <clears throat> I will say what I think is so relevant about um, highs and lows that you will experience and how a new baby will affect you and your emotional stability is how you, how much support you have. Um, you know, for example, like if you have a partner, how much of the load they bear with you, I- I'm super lucky and that my husband steps in to bear a ton of the physical load um, of caring for a toddler. And I feel like it's really key to have someone to witness you in your lowest moments and say like, wow, of course you feel that way. No wonder, look how awesome you're doing. And no, no wonder, look how, what you're going through. Like, just to have a witness is so helpful. And it allows you to feel validated, and then you can move on, you know? Without that support of being seen, and somebody to, you know, tap you out once in a while, I don't think this would be at all the same kind of experience. So, us, I've said it a bajillion times already in this episode, but, like, I think having a friend who's either moving through it at the same time, or has been through it, huge, and also having a partner who's supportive in just the actual practical side of things. Um, And a lot of the time when people become parents and they are really emotionally taxed and physically and mentally taxed, I feel like often when we have incomplete um, family of origin issues, we end up feeling like, you know, we want the other partner to give us sympathy, but when we're both in that position, that's when things can get a little threadbare. Because both partners are like, "Why don't you? Why don't you feel bad for me? Why don't you feel bad for? Why don't you feel bad for me?" Like you, when you're both pulling and you're unable to give to fill the other's cup, that's when thing. That's when she gets really difficult. So, knowing, I would just think about yourself. Knowing that you are going to be your kind of base level self once you've had a child, like at the very beginning, um, what would you say are, are the tendencies as far as like your relationship goes when you are in that state? I think it's like really important to just prepare for if we get into the situation, like how can we start to, Pull in some resources. Like what resources can I pull in? Who else can I add to this team? But if you're in a good partnership, one person can, you know, beat the baby and the other person can carry the load and then you swap. Before this pregnancy, I would say I had the tendency to kind of do everything myself and then blow up. But that imbalance does not make either person feel good. So it's really nice to have that like, I'm going to be, you know, I need to relax and take care of myself. You're going to be the one that carries everything. As soon as I can regenerate, then we'll swap. So for me right now, being pregnant, I would say it's a constant cycle of moods, you know? So there's like, um, there are highs of being excited about meeting the baby and being enamored with my son and how amazing and funny he is and how cool it is to meet this fully formed human being like a day at a time. Um, and I would say that, that whole saying of like, they come through you, it's totally true. Like they're fully formed, weird, cool people. They're not blank slates. <clears throat> so it's kind of like, wow, this is a fun process to meet this person. Um, and then the lows, as far as pregnancy goes, are very much just like writing literal waves of emotions and you get used to it and you remember that it changes and you remember not to take it too seriously or follow the trains of thought um, so it's really about just you know, keeping your head above the wave and floating and I would, I would say labor is a good metaphor you're allowing a natural process to happen in your body and you're helping yourself to keep your head above it by staying rational and keeping it in perspective and you're moving through the motions of self-care the best way possible and um, but it, you know, it gets nutty. There are lots of bouts of intense sadness and then they vanish. And just like any mood, the key is not to engage and add a storyline. Because as soon as we do that, we invite it into reality and then we expect it into reality and it becomes reality. And it just tends, tends to last a lot longer. Um, I would say another low or challenge is like if you do have another child um, <laughs> and you're sleep deprived. It's your, your threshold is so, uh, short, you know, it's like so low. So you have to, in those moments, if you're getting to like a breaking point, remind yourself because it's really easy to just be like, to get to that helplessness stage of just like, I can't, I can't do it. And in that moment, you have to remind yourself to expect different, to expect things to change and be better. Because that's when your brain wants to just wallow, you know? But each moment is new and your day can change and can be a completely different day the very next second. You just have to remind yourself to allow for that to be true by being able to see it. Otherwise, you're just going to control and and create the outcome of negativity. Um, I also like to remind myself that there is beauty in the struggle, like in the messiest moments. Like... You're really alive, you're really doing it, you're really having kind of this, like, movie moment that is shared by so many others in the world across the centuries. It's like a collective struggle that you get to be a part of, like a super awesome club that so many other people are welcoming you into, Of that is parenthood, you know? Like, so many people have walked in your shoes, and it's just like, kind of a, <laughs> you know, wow, this is being alive. Um, and I will say just on a practical level, how challenging raising a child is very much depends on your literal schedule and your means and whether or not you have a partner who is splitting your, you know, splitting responsibilities with you. And, um, if you have the ability to, you know, get childcare so you can work, like all of those are such important variables. And I will say, as they get older, like from two years old on, um, your life changes because your your personal time with your partner is now split. So it's individual time because somebody's always watching the child, and so that can be an adjustment, and it it's something you have to pay attention to um, until they go to bed, which is let's say around eight p.m. and then you can hang out. But it's It is an adjustment if you are somebody who has a partner that you like to go out a lot. All right, with that, I have a mini tools section for you. Um, The first tool is just a really, really, really short baby resource checklist. This, in my opinion, is all you need if you are going to have a baby. One to two friends to call who have been through this or are going through it one family or paid person to help in an emergency if you are hitting a breaking point, paid person meaning like a night nurse or a babysitter, Um, one therapist slash doctor or doctor like resource as a postpartum emergency backup plan if you end up being a person who has postpartum depression, just have them lined up, interview them, have the relationship so if you need it you can call on them. Um, one child care plan which accounts for the hours needed for when you need to go back to work or um, maybe you don't need to do that at all but if you do that can sneak up on you and baby brain is a real thing so have it ahead of time just like if you know at 6 months you have to go back to work you need to figure out where they're going to be and you need to do it early because a lot of the places have like a long waiting list or et etc. If you're gonna do uh, what do you call it daycare and then last on my list one at most two books to read on childcare and I would not get more than that alternately maybe or in addition to that maybe one to two websites that you vibe with definitely do not overdo it because they will everything will give you a different guidance and I feel like there's so much conflicting advice. Um, but it's all a personal choice. Therefore, it has to be something that resonates with you. So don't force yourself to apply um, information from a book because it's like harsh, you know, and you're like, I have to do this. Like, find what feels right to you. If You're like, yeah, that, that sounds good. Like, go with that. And that's it. That's my resource list. Oh, yeah. And diapers. <laughs> that's the last one. Diapers. Um. All right. The next tool is a mantra. Keep it simple, trust yourself. Whatever feels right to you, do it. Whatever is the path of least resistance, do it. If you are raising a newborn, now of all times, do not make things harder or more complicated for yourself. Don't do it perfect, just get it done. That's all that matters. All right, the next tool is another mantra and this is for if you are really suffering and you're in a moment and you're like "Um, I'm at my breaking point the mantra is this is temporary or this moment will never happen again no matter what you're going through it's temporary each moment is new it changes quickly if you're struggling with some new stressful stage or some random factor it's usually over within a week or a month remember to appreciate whatever moment you're in at any given time and know that it will never happen again so it's just like a little time capsule of a profound experience in your life and just kind of check in and be in that moment and allow it to be imperfect and messy and flawed and just look around and feel what it's like to be you at this stage in your life so I feel like I kind of like skipped from pre-having <laughs> a baby to you already have the baby. Um, maybe that's because I'm talking to myself right now. <laughs> um, anyway, I hope that was helpful. Let me know if I didn't answer any of those questions and I will I'll do an addendum. Before I close, I want to thank my latest sponsors. Robin, a huge donation from you. Thank you so very much and a new monthly sponsor thank you Rachel thanks a million and Myra thank you for your donation um you're a new monthly sponsor thank you so much and thank you to Floor Bianca and a new Patreon Deb thank you guys so much I appreciate you all and for anyone out there if you have the means donations really help this show come to life Um, And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you could leave me a review on iTunes, I love reading them. You guys are wonderful. I really appreciate them. Um, And if if you have any friends that could use this, this, please share it. Um, And that's how this show reaches others. So thank you very much. And in closing, um, if you're on the fence about something like this, just know like all things in life and all conditions you adjust and then it becomes normal and you are capable of so much more than you think you are it's just harder when you have to choose something like it's it's hard <clears throat> to force yourself to change in a way that will compromise your energy or take away freedoms and it's like as soon as you're you're having to voluntarily push yourself to do something like that your your brain wants to say like ah, but maybe it's not worth it ah, but I can't reverse that. Maybe I don't want that at all. But we can't think in this way. We can't live from a fear-driven perspective because you will always end up with the short end of the stick. If you're always operating from fear, you will only get the result of fear. Like what you can see from where you stand now. And that doesn't mean, you know, you will never get what you really want from this place because you're never jumping you're you're never reaching for the stars you will get the mildest pg version of your life so try to put on the helmet of the person who can see life from past the pain who sees like the and past the fear who sees like the biggest picture of what you want like the self who has lived many years past where you are now and think about like what would that person tell you to do you are fully capable just as you are it it's a just a really quick learning curve that you can and will conquer just like you did when you learned how to drive or when you figured out how to apply for a job or you figured out how to do taxes it's like a series of steps like anything else it's totally doable do not make this decision about fear make it about what your life looks like once it's completed and you know, you're, you're looking back, like, when you look back at your perfect life, what are its contents? What is your legacy? What does this tapestry hold? Like, you are capable and enough as you are. What do you want out of this life? And just know that this type of change in your life brings so much depth so much perspective and so much joy that you can't anticipate from where you are now. And as a way to try and understand that added layer, I would say think of a really positive, close familial relationship you had. Maybe you had a relationship with a grandparent or maybe even a parent or a friend, somebody very important and grounding in your life. And I would say like somebody maybe you grew up with who, who saw something in you. And just think about that relationship and how it enhanced you. Like what did that relationship bring to your life? What dimensionality did it bring to your life? And make it a person you cannot imagine yourself in your development like minus them. And how they affected your worldview and your view of yourself growing up. So this is the same but different in that it changes who you are and it brings such depth into your life. It's like a deeper, more resonant quality in what it does to who you are than all the stuff you do or all the stuff you have. It's it's such a different kind of love that alters everything about who you are. So... <laughs> A lot to chew on there. Um, And I hope this is helpful. And I know it's very personal. So hopefully you found something um, that spoke to you. And I send you my love and vibes of positivity. And don't forget to smile.